Hey, it's Ale. I appreciate you listening to the show. We talk a lot about the one-page strategic plan. It's the fastest, most effective business plan that we've developed for our clients. I'm making the full toolkit available to you for free. You get a video course, workbook, and strategic plan template. Visit lawfirmsuccessgroup.com and click the Get My Business Plan button to get it at no charge. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, my friend and colleague, Michelle Ferber, managing shareholder of Ferber Law. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alay. How are you doing? And thank you for having me. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be talking with you on the program. I've been wanting to interview you since we started because you have such an awesome story and a unique one with regards to how you've developed Ferber Law and how you've run Ferber Law. So maybe the best place to start for us would be at the beginning because my listeners are not familiar with your story. So tell us how you decided and came to the decision to start Ferber Law. Sure. It is a long, it did goes, does go back to the beginning. I started practicing in 1990 with a law firm in Southern California and then moved to Northern California in 1997 and joined a wonderful group of gentlemen, Dick Frankel and Stu Goldware, who ultimately became my mentors and partners. But how I started working for them was as a contract attorney and then a part-time attorney, and then I became their partner. And as time progressed and we started to grow, they decided they wanted to retire. And they retired at a time where I was at a crossroads of, am I going to do this on myself or am I going to join a firm or what am I going to do? And a very wise person said, To me, my business attorney said, it's time for it to be the Michelle show. You've been developing these clients. You know how to run a firm and you should do this on your own. And that's how Ferber Law was born now seven years ago on my own. And I'm still the sole shareholder of the firm. And we've now grown to six attorneys here in Northern California and two in Southern California. And that's awesome. Congratulations on your success. It's quite a growth story, given some of the challenging economic times we've had. As you were looking back on that decision to make it the Michelle story and to start your own firm, what were some of the things that were going through your mind that were weighing on you as you made this decision to start your own firm versus joining another one? One of the key things was the team that we had in place at the former partnership. We had a small group, but it was a very loyal, long-time group of both staff and a couple of attorneys. And I couldn't imagine continuing the journey both without my former partners and mentors and without this team that we had established. And so ultimately, it was the people. I wanted to continue to work with those same people. I wanted to keep them working in the same way they were used to in in San Ramon with some flexibility to be near their personal responsibilities and have continuity. And that's been an excellent decision because those people are still with me. The first one just retired, 
recently, but <laughs> wow. everyone has stayed with us and having a team and having a village is very important from my perspective in both your personal and your professional life. Yeah, that's a really key insight that we are going to come back to here later on in the conversation. So I'm glad you brought it up. And by the way, attorney entrepreneurs, as you're listening to this, San Ramon is a suburb of the San Francisco Bay Area, and it encompasses some of the some of the most industrial as well as some of the most suburban areas are in that county in Contra Costa County. So uh, it's a really terrific place to practice law. And Michelle, tell us a little bit about Ferber Law and the areas that it practices both in Northern California and in Southern California. Sure. So we are known, I think, first and foremost, as an employment law firm representing employers and businesses in litigation matters when they're sued, all the way through trial and appeal if necessary, but also providing a lot of advice and counsel and trainings and seminars to educate businesses so that they avoid litigation as much as possible. And obviously as part of that, representing businesses, our clients are real people who own their businesses. Many of them are second and third generation family businesses. They have other business and corporate needs, and that's a second side of our firm. We can handle pretty much anything that a small business needs, the business and corporate side. And the things that we can't do, we take a real holistic approach with our clients, and we will quarterback and associate in other professionals and trusted advisors to fill the needs we can't. So employment, business, corporate, basic real estate needs as well. Awesome. And I I love that point that most of your clients own their own businesses. And so Michelle, what has it meant to you to be working with those types of clients, the ones that own their own businesses? I think for us, again, it's the people factor. We are working with people. And their issues are not just necessarily solved by dollars and cents. There's not a blind, faceless corporation or insurance company behind the problem. We know the people that are having the issue. We know what's at stake. And they know that we know that. So even in the most difficult of conversations where it may mean that someone has to shut down one or two locations of their business. I think there is a trust factor that we understand how difficult that is. And we are giving advice from the whole perspective, from what works for them, not for just this year in the business, but for the next year and the next year and the next generation. And so I think that's when we do our best work, when we know our clients and they know us. Yeah. And that human element is is what I wanted to focus on with you today, because it's been intriguing to me as I've seen your firm grow and develop. When you started your firm, it was a blank canvas. You could have built you know, whatever firm you wanted to build, yet you chose to build the firm with a certain culture in mind. Please, if you could, in your own words, just describe that culture to our listeners. Well, I think the culture we try and strive to achieve doesn't mean we have a 100% track record, but that we all strive for. We're in a stressful business. Anything that you read about lawyers in general, litigators in particular, says that 
there are high rates of depression and high rates of substance abuse. It's a very stressful job. And how do we try and make that less stressful while still being the fierce advocates that our clients want and need? And I think that's by recognizing that we all have different things that are important to us in our lives or that need us in our lives. For some people that you hire, it's their school-age children. For some people, it's their pets. For some people, it's their aging parents or a sick family member. For some people, it's their hobby. They love riding horses. And that is an important thing that they have to do every day or they can't focus on their job. Whatever that is, it has to be valued. And I think that there has to be an understanding that if you give people the ability to do their job, to give them the expectations of what's required, and then give them the freedom and permission to do it how they want to do it, where they want to do it, and when they want to do that. Does that mean that everybody in our firm works at the beach every day? Of course not. There's many days that people need to be in the office to meet with clients or to do X, Y, and Z, but there's many times they don't and they want to be with something with their children or their significant other, and they want to work in the evening. All of that is acceptable to us and encouraged by us. So I think that creates a very different dynamic than what people think of of a law firm. It does. And I can, I can already hear this, you know, in the back of my mind, or maybe it's in the front of my mind. <laughs> oh no, but I can hear attorneys kind of screaming about, well, then how do you know that they're getting the work done? Like, how do you hold them accountable and make sure that they're getting their jobs done? Well, I mean, for me, that's pretty easy to know. First off, clients are very, at least ours are, and they should be. And we set high expectations for communication. We tell clients, we respond within 24 hours. We tell clients that if the main attorney you're working with isn't available and it's important, we will find you a different attorney to talk to. We stick to deadlines. We meet once a week. Now we do it by Zoom because of the pandemic, but we meet once a week and go over cases and deadlines and there's accountability. The unfortunate way that lawyers get paid, the only way we get paid is with our time. So we have to bill and I or other supervisors look at time being billed, you know, is the work being done? And it's, you can look every day if you wanted to, to know if someone was doing their work, if you didn't trust them, but I don't have that problem. They, there's not been a problem. And the, and the upside of that, I can tell you is that we had three attorneys who finally were able to take vacation this summer. And they all overlapped. And all three of them were very happy to hop on their laptops when they needed to, to follow up at minimal amounts on very small projects because of the flexibility they've had year round and the ability that it's okay to let three of them be out on the same vacation week because that's what happens during COVID. So it's a give and take. You get, I feel like your employees... And your team will provide more if they're given more, more leeway. If you treat people like adults, they act like adults. At least that's my theory. <laughs> well, we hope so anyway. <laughs> but I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, which is that so many of the attorneys that you started with have 
actually stayed with the firm. And I got to expect a big reason for that is this culture you've built. So maybe, and you don't have to name names, but take us through a couple of uh, examples of how, you know, being flexible, respecting their time, how that has really built loyalty and retention in your firm. Sure. I mean, I, there are a lot of examples, so I can just give you some people's situations and some of it's personal, so I won't give you names, but we have, we have an attorney who is an amazing attorney, lots of experience and does not have the ability to work in our office. We've accommodated that without any issue and doesn't skip a beat. We've accommodated people who need to change their schedules during the school year versus the summer because childcare is not always reliable and we work around that. We've worked around people. I mean, pre-pandemic, we were pretty much everyone in the office kind of firm, but Mm -hmm. people had the ability if they wanted to work remotely a day or two, they could. Now that everybody, including all the staff, knows how to work remotely. Most of them don't prefer it, but now there's no stress. I need to be home for a couple hours for the vet or a contractor and the work's still getting done. They don't have to take a whole day off. They can save it. So all those kind of things and all those different arrangements, particularly with the attorneys, has given us the ability to keep really talented people. I have one attorney who can't work full-time, too much responsibility. One of the smartest attorneys I know, one of the best writers. And I didn't want to lose this person because the talent and the personality are are just amazing. And that accommodation, I think over the last six years, I think I have a lifelong loyalty with this person. And that as things change and there's more time available, we'll do that. But if you don't accommodate, in my opinion, People during their different life cycles of when they can give 150% versus 100% versus 75%, then you lose talent. And people are willing to take the, the adjustment if it's fair economically for those kind of advantages. That's a really, it's a great reinforcing perspective because it's one thing for me to talk about that with my clients, but now they can hear it firsthand from you as someone who has actually implemented and done these things and can see the difference that it's making in your firm, which is great. And with it in mind of being relatable to our listeners, I know one of the things that you're working on right now is, you know, talent retention, which you've talked a little bit about, and also leading and growing your team. And, you know, growing your team is something that I hear about from a lot of my clients. They're small law firms. They are doing well on the business development perspective. They need to add capacity. And it's challenging to compete in any environment especially this one, when you're competing against larger firms that have deeper pockets. And so what are some of the things that that you're trying or playing with, some ideas you have on how you can grow your team and attract the right kind of talent to the firm? Well, that's a really good point because we can't compete with, with large, big law or even medium law, right? We're very competitive in what we pay and the benefits we provide for firms of our size in Contra Costa County. But if you want something more than that, there's plenty of it. And if you have training and employment law, you can have a job in 24 hours. So we are competing with that at a level that I've never experienced. So 
The only thing that I am trying to do is to use that flexibility because maybe it's things we haven't thought of that a particular person needs. So when we're when we're getting candidates, that's sort of the question we're asking. What is it that you might be looking for that we're not offering that would make us different than someone else? What if if there's something and if you don't mind sharing, ask for anything. Maybe we can't do it, but maybe we can. And the reason I say that is Back in 1992, when I was pregnant with my first child, I worked at a small firm in Los Angeles and there were, you know, eight lawyers and no woman had ever gotten pregnant. And I wanted to come back to work part-time. And I was told that that's impossible. Litigators do not work part-time. And I said, okay. And I shut my mouth. And then when I was pregnant in 1995 with my second son, I went back to my same early mentor who I still think of as one of my greatest mentors ever and said, I now need to work part-time with two children. Can't do it, Michelle. Litigators don't work part-time. And I said, but no, here's my plan. Here's how it will work. No, can't do it. All right. Well, then I'm not going to be coming back after my maternity leave. So I'm giving you as much notice as I can. Okay, Michelle. About two weeks later, he walked into my office with virtually the same plan I had developed and said, I think we can make this work. (laughs) and so that's a lesson of you don't get what you don't ask for in sports what is it you you miss every shot you don't take yes that's right so that's what i'm encouraging candidates to, to ask us what will make it work because sometimes it's a small thing but it's a huge huge benefit for someone in their life and if we can do it and that makes them want to work for us versus somewhere else then we'll do it I thank you for for bringing that up, Michelle. And so for you attorney entrepreneurs out there, this is a huge, huge point. And I I hope you're taking notes on this because we are increasingly seeing that the younger attorneys who are going to be the future of this profession, they've a lot of them value so much more than money. I mean, money's important, sure, but so is quality of life. They want freedom, they want flexibility. Heck, they want to be able to take a vacation. I know it sounds crazy, but they actually want to do that. And so if you can have a firm that has the flexibility like what Michelle has built, that may be a competitive advantage when it comes to hiring and getting those attorneys in and retention. Because if they're super happy, they're making a good living, they have a high quality of life, it's going to make it very hard for another recruiter or another law firm to get them to leave your firm for theirs. So it's key for bringing in talent because you can compete with large firms. It's also key for retaining talent as Michelle's demonstrated. So Michelle, thank you so much for sharing that perspective with us. And your, your firm has grown significantly since you've started and there's clearly a bright future ahead. So what is it about Ferber Law and the future that you find really interesting and exciting? What I think is exciting is the... What the internet and technology has done to allow us to represent clients of a much bigger, bigger type, whether it's number of employees or what their revenues are or where they're located. We have cases pending in Nevada and in New York in federal court, because if you're admitted in California and federal court, you can be admitted in the federal courts around the country. You just have to have a sponsoring attorney. And we get hired for these cases now because of increasing our presence. And it presents the opportunity to work on 
much more sophisticated and complicated and to some lawyers, more interesting topics than what they were doing on a day-to-day with our local businesses. For some lawyers, it's not as interesting. And so having that mixed is really important. It certainly allows us to, there's not a client in California we can't represent. There's not the same issues of travel time and cost and expense. And that gives us the ability to represent more of a client. If it's a bigger client, we're doing more of their work. So we're getting to know them better and understanding how they want to run their company and and what that looks like and allows us to partner with several HR firms to be their employment law arm because good HR works with good employment lawyers. They don't compete with each other. So those are the kind of things I think are interesting. Yeah, indeed. I love that phrase. Good HR complements good employment law. They don't compete with each other. Absolutely true. And if, if someone is listening to this and they're an attorney and they like the culture that you're building at Ferber Law, they like doing that sophisticated work potentially in other states, um, but they are you know, based in the San Francisco Bay Area and they are interested in, in learning more about your firm. I know your firm's growing. So tell us a little bit about the openings that you might have at Ferber Law right now. Yeah, we're definitely looking for lawyers in the associate position, people with two or more years of experience, two to four is is the sweet spot. If it's employment law litigation experience, that's a plus. If it's just litigation, we can teach you employment. We're looking for someone who wants to be based in San Ramon, and we're looking for someone who wants to be based in Los Angeles County, San Fernando Valley, Ventura County area. So those are the, the two specific attorney spots we're looking for but I'm always one to talk. And we've had a great addition in the past year with a corporate attorney who, who came to me with, a, with a, an opportunity and an idea. And we went with it and it's worked out great. So it's not that we won't talk to people who might have a book of business that are looking as a solo or to, to leave a much bigger place and want to have a smaller home we always listen. That's what I always say. I always listen. And I would say to my colleagues, if you have younger colleagues, as Alay mentioned, you need to talk to them and find out what, what's important to them because they're very helpful in helping me determine what I should be listening for and what I should be offering because their, their expectations and what they really want are probably different than mine or what mine were at that time in my life. Well said. And Michelle, if someone wants to contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, Email me directly. I monitor all my own email. And so you'll see that the 24-hour rule is true. And that is mferber, M-F-E-R-B-E-R at ferberlaw.com. Michelle, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, but this time we get to we get to do it as a podcast. So thank you so much for being on the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast today. It was a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. 
And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.